I'm ready to jump in to the word for today, which is form and culture. So everybody say with me, form and culture. This is the second part of the series, That Kingdom Thing. That Kingdom Thing. And the reason that I'm teaching this series is because it is important that everybody, no matter how long they've been in the kingdom of God, it is important that everybody... Everybody understands some of what they see that doesn't make sense. I mean, listen, can you imagine, I don't even know what it would be like if today, today, someone walked in for the first time, was unfamiliar with what we do, and they saw only what we did today, and it would be, it's doubtful that in their mind there aren't questions. What's that? Why are they doing that? What was that that they said? What does this mean? And there's questions. Those are some of the questions that I want to answer in this series, that kingdom thing. There is terminology within the church world, within the body of Christ, that we use so freely and so loosely that makes sense to those of us that have had a relationship with the Father for a long time. It makes sense to us. But it doesn't make sense to people who are just coming in, who have never been churched, who are unaware completely of what those terms mean. And many times when people come in and they're unaware of what those terms mean, they, it's, they don't want to ask. They're embarrassed. They're, they're, they feel like maybe they should know what those terms are. They shouldn't, but they might feel that way. So I'm going to use this series and we're going to break some of these things down that are, you will hear frequently, certainly some of these in this house, this ministry, some of the terms that you hear here, and I'm also actively uh, trying to use words that are current enough, because like you, I get into a routine and I've used some words, the same word over and over again for the same thing that makes sense to me, and I never consider whether somebody else even knows what that means. So I'm trying to actively use words that would make sense to anybody, someone that's in the house or even out of the house. So from time to time, you might hear me say, well, let me use this other word and, and begin to insert that. It doesn't change the meaning. It just changes the understanding, the ability for it to reach and be understood by a bigger circle of people than just those who have been in the kingdom of God for a long time. This is what we're doing. And today, I'm going to be teaching about form and culture. But before I step into that, I want to review a little bit last week. So last week, what we talked about, the subject was saved. That's a word that's easy for anyone who's been in the kingdom. But anybody who has not been in relationship with a father for any length of time, that word, what does that mean? Saved from what? What, what are you saved from? And even to say saved from sin, believe it or not, there are people that will come to a church for the first time and wonder, what is sin? You're saved from sin. You didn't clarify anything. You confused me even more. So what is that? And these are some of the things that, again, we're addressing. So as I talked about being saved last week, I hopefully made clear the difference between being born again that you, we read in Scripture and being saved. And here is simply, I, I want to say it as simple as I can uh, so that it is clear. Born again is the moment we are forgiven. The moment we say to the Father, forgive me, I have lived without you. Is that putting it plain enough? 
I have lived my life without you. I'm sorry that I did that. It was the wrong decision. I didn't even, maybe it wasn't even a decision. I just didn't know any different. I've lived my life without you. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. At that moment, he forgives you. You are born again. In other words, you become a new creature, a new creation. You become a child of God. And at that time, he begins a process in you through fellowship with other believers, through the assembly we'll talk about today, coming to church, coming to the assembly where we gather and release the word, being a part of circle groups. A process begins of becoming what we use in the church terminology, saved, where we begin to learn. These are things that do not look like God, and He is teaching me how to grow out of those things and into those things that honor Him. I'm being saved from that and into Him. Does that make sense? So that's what we talked about last week. Saved is literally the process of growing into the forgiveness that we received when we were born again. It's growing into that forgiveness. So today, we step into form and culture. The things that we do that are sometimes almost habitual within a body of Christ. Um, And really, for us in this house, because we're always an evolving ministry, we're always pressing into more. We're never... Uh, a stagnant house, and if we ever get to a place where we feel like we're stagnant, we're waiting for the for Holy Spirit to really show us uh, the next thing so that we can move into that. If we've learned what He wants us to learn about subject A, and it's time for subject B, we're ready for Him to allow us, or we allow Him to transition us into subject B. We're never going to be the people that say, this is the way it's always been, and this is the way it's always going to be. We are not that house. We are not that ministry. So form and culture for us changes over time. Um, sometimes we do things that would be very, very familiar to others, if, especially people who have never been in church. I talked to someone recently. They've never been in a church building, but they've only watched it on television. So they were unfamiliar with uh, what to expect. And... For us, we'll do, we might do things that are, we'll, we'll, we might do things that they would recognize, um, but, that, but we might not be doing that the next week. We might do it this week, but we might not do it the next week. I want to help people to grow, and I'm going to use each of these services as a teaching that we're going to put together, that kingdom series that will be available to everybody, especially those who are new and they're coming to The Rock, that they can access through Vimeo and YouTube, and they can watch these, and they can learn about who we are. Now, because we're a changing amoeba body, that means that in time, we'll have to do this again to make it even more clear, because the words we're using today will become obsolete. Does that make sense? So let's jump right in, form and culture. I'm going to touch on several things today and that you might see, but people, whether you're watching online or not, might not make sense to you. And let me tell you what these are. And if you're following along in the church in the Bible app, the notes are there, the scriptures are there, and you can literally take notes using that app. I would encourage you to download that. One of the things we're going to talk about, lifting of hands. Why do we do it? What about instruments and dancing? We've heard all kinds of things about where it's good, where it's bad, why it should be, why it shouldn't be. 
Why do we go to church? What is this name that you keep using of God? Why do you use that name? These are some of the things we're going to touch on today. And then next week, we're going to get into something a little, a little bit uh, deeper. Um, there's two things. I'm not sure which way I'm going to go yet next week. It will either be being joined and jointed. What does that mean when we talk about people being joined to one another in, in the kingdom of God? What does that mean? And what does it mean when I hear you talk about Holy Spirit and people are praying in this language that we don't understand? What is that? And we're going to address these things because it is, again, important for me to know that we are helping you to grow, not causing you to feel like you're in this place and you're never going to catch up. You're never going to understand. We want to help you grow whether you're in this room or you're watching online today. So let's begin with this verse that I'm going to start, it, start with every week of this series, however long we do this series. I'm going to start with the same verse because to start with any other verse would not demonstrate to me well why we do some of the things that we do. So again, I'm turning to John 3.16 in the English Standard Version, and it reads like this. For God so loved the world. Everybody say this with me. For God so loved the world. Everybody say it. That He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now that is a pretty amazing thing that our God would do for a people who are, we, we at our base level, are reprobates. At our base level, there's a selfishness in us. At our base level... There is a pride and an arrogance that dwells in all of us and we, we, are, we grow and we believe. We don't have to be taught to say mine when we're a child with a toy. We have to be taught to say, yes, it is yours, but I am giving that to you so that you can learn to share that with Johnny. But they learn all by themselves, mine. It's like the, what was the, Finding Nemo and the little birds, the, what were they, pelicans out there on the, was it pelicans out on the dock? Seagulls out on the dock. Mine, 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 mine. And they're all, it's mine because at our base state, it's all mine, 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 mine. But that is not the nature of God. So there's a need to come in, and the nature of God is demonstrated never so well than it is in John 3.16, for God so loved you. He so loved you in your pride state. He so loved you in your arrogant state. He so loved you in your mind, mind, mind state. He so loved you in whatever condition you are that He gave His only son so that you could know him and would not have to live without him he gave in your worst condition no matter what condition the world was in in its worst condition he gave 
under the most disrespectful and dishonoring circumstances he gave. In your darkest moment, when you hated God the most because you didn't feel like he was there for you, God gave. And because of that, when we come to the place where we as believers begin to recognize, when I say believers, those who receive Christ and those who are walking with a Father and learning and growing and being saved from our base nature into his kingdom nature, righteous nature, because we recognize who he is and what he's done and how incredible he is that he would send his only son, Jesus Christ, and I can wrap my mind around that for just a second, it gives me reason to want to do some things that I might not normally do. I can tell you, certainly, I think, my wife would clarify this if not true, but I can tell you with absolute certainty, I have never walked down the aisles of Walmart with my hands up. In fact, I don't even go to Walmart. I can't stand Walmart. But I've never walked down the aisles of wherever I go with my hands in the air. I've never walked down the aisle. I've never been at Disney. I don't go to Disney either. I've never been to Universal Studios and danced and, and twirled and spun and did all of that. Perhaps. For a different reason. But I lift my hands because I recognize for God so loved me in my base state, in my sinful form. For God so loved me in my foolishness, in my arrogance, in my pride, in my mind moment. For God so loved me, I can only lift my hands. I can only raise them up. And do this. And shout. In Psalm 63, 4, in the New International Version, it says this. It says, I will praise you as long as I'm living. And in your name, I will lift my hands. I will praise you because God so loved me. As long as I live, I'm going to praise you. And in your name, to your name, to your greatness, to your immeasurable, incredible grace, I lift my hands recognizing that you are God. In Psalm 134, verse 2 in the NIV as well, it says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. I never want to be the guy that comes on a Sunday morning or gathers together with other believers like me and forgets to recognize how great my God is. I never want to be the guy that gathers together with any of you and has to be reminded that God so loved me. I want to know when I get up in the morning, I want to be reminded all by myself, for God so loved me, I woke up. For God so loved me, I'm eating breakfast this morning. For God so loved me, I'm going to work today. For God so loved me, I get to demonstrate today. 
Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. And I was thinking this morning about, I was processing while we were worshiping and I was singing with them, with y'all and every, all of us together. And I'm lifting my hands. And when you look up here, if you ever look, I watch the live stream sometimes and I try to stand off to the side now instead of in the middle because my hands get in the way and, and I'm always doing this. And when we talk, let the waters rise and I'm doing this right here and I'm come on, water rise. Covers the whole earth like the waters cover the sea, and I'm doing this. I'm reaching out to the farthest edge of the earth that I can reach. I open up my eyes. Let it all go. And you look up here, if you spend five minutes watching me, and nothing was playing, only I could hear the music, you'd call people to come with a white suit, with arms that wrap around your body three times. You put the sleeves in there. <laughs> Never mind. Because it wouldn't make sense to you. But I was thinking when I was up here this morning, and I'm lifting my hands, and they're singing, and I'm, and I, every week, I just love it. For God so loved me, I open up my eyes. For God so loved me, he's letting the waters rise. For God so loved me, I can let it all go. Jump into the flow. It's in some order like that, something like that. But I'm singing and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking if there's anybody, if, if anybody ever came to this house and they did not have the ability to hear with their natural ear, they should be able to see how much I love God just by watching me. Because if they can read the words on the song, the words on the board, they should be able to look up there and say, oh my Lord, all I know is whatever they're singing, I can't hear it, but that man loves God. That man believes what he's saying. I have no idea what this song sounds like, but that man believes what he's saying. He gets that God so loved. That's why we lift our hands. That's why when you come to a place like this, and I realize there's a lot of places that don't, and I realize this too. I remember when I first came into the kingdom and, and I would watch people do some of the things that they did and I'll talk about it in a second but I would watch people do some of the things that they did and, and it was odd to me and it was peculiar and I remember a particular time that I was challenged let me come back to that in a moment but I remember a time I was challenged about something I was just not willing to do and I was told if you'll do it once you'll never not do it again and I thought again my base nature came up you don't know me. Uh, now I'm not going to do it just because you suggested it. Because I want it to be my idea. But God so loved. So I want people, when I lift my hands, I want them to know. And I, again, I'm going to say, I remember when the first time I lifted my hands. I remember thinking to myself, man, that's, I, I just, if I could just do it the first time. Some of you have been in that same place. If I could just lift them the first time. First time you ever lifted your hands in church. If I could just do it the first time. I just got to break that. Get past that. Can I challenge you today? Go ahead and get past that. 
And don't wait on somebody to tell you to lift your hands. Even if you lift them awkwardly the first time. Because I tell you, if you lift them in awkwardness the first time because it's uncomfortable to you, the second time is going to get better. And before you know it, you're going to be up here with me. I open up my eyes. And we'll do this together. So I just want to let you know the reason we lift our hands is because we recognize what the Father has done for us. And the lifting of my hands is a celebration of his love for Steve Parker. It is a celebration of his love for me. What about instruments and dancing? Turn with me to Psalm 149.3, please. Again, in the NIV. Psalm 149.3. Again, listen. For the sake of time, I am not in any way going to try to read every... There are so many scriptures about all of these things, these points that I'm talking about. I'm picking out particular ones, but there are so many. So instruments and dancing, what about all that? Why, what is it about the church with instruments? And you go to one church and they're playing music that is uh, from the 15th century. And you go to another church and they're playing old time rock and roll. And, you know, what is it? Psalm 149.3 in the NIV says, let them praise his name with dancing. And make music to him with a timbrel and harp. Why? Because God so loved. Let them praise his name. Why would you don't praise his name unless you realize and understand and accept that God so loved? God so loved. You see me up here, and sometimes I'm hopping, sometimes I'm tapping. Depends on what kind of work I did the day before. If I was bending over a lot, my thighs are sore, I just do this. But I'm never still. I'm never still. Because I'm always thinking, for God so loved. And I want to address what I said I was going to come to later. I remember when I went to the church that um, the pastor there who, who led me to Christ in 1985, and, and I went to be his youth pastor and uh, also was a praise and worship leader at that church, Church of the Harvest in Cleveland, Tennessee with Pastor Hank and Rhonda Davis, and uh, by the way, they'll be at uh, the wedding in a couple weeks, so if you've never met them, you'll get to. But I went to that church, and I just remember sitting on the front row. I had not yet met my wife, and I'm sitting on the front row. The church is packed, and, and, um, and I'm just sitting there. I'm not standing. I'm not doing anything because I was not taught that it was even a possibility, and the times that I did see people dance, I just, I just thought, well, no, that's not just not me. I'm way too dignified for that. And I sat there about on the same side where my wife and Jenny are right now, and I'm sitting there on the front row, and I don't know anybody in this church. I mean, I know nobody. I just got there. I know the pastor and his wife. I don't know any of the kids. I'm the youth pastor. I'm praise and worship leader. I don't know anybody in that church. And I remember sitting on that front row, and they started the music, and music starts playing, and first service, I'm sitting there, and, and, and I just sat there the whole time, and I'm watching people. Man, they're doing the Jehovah Jireh dance all over the place. You know, the old one where they do this, and they did this whole thing. And everybody did that, and it looked like I was watching uh, that Irish dance club. What is that thing, you know? And they were all doing river dance, yeah. And, and that's what it felt like I was watching. And I was just looking around me thinking, oh, God. Oh, God. What have you gotten me into? And then the next service, we come in there, and Pastor Hank came over to me, and he said, Steve, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, when the music plays today, 
I'm not telling you you have to dance. But I'm telling you if you'll just take one step, everything else will come easy. And you'll never stop. And I can tell you when the music, the first thing in me with the dancing, the first thing in me was, oh my gosh, I'm humiliated. I'm embarrassed. What if I can't dance? What if I have no rhythm? What if I don't, you know, that whole Jehovah Jireh thing they're doing and they're kicking their leg out and everything else. Lo and behold, I didn't have rhythm. I couldn't dance the way they did. But I could dance the way I did. And I got up and began to do what I did. So to make it really easy on me, I usually just hop. That way it doesn't require rhythm. It doesn't require anything. But I'm still saying, for God so loved, I can hop for you. And I remember with them when they started and I stood up and had all these people. There are several hundred people in that building and I stood up. Man, they're dancing. I mean, it's slam-packed in the front. And that's what I want to see up here. I want this packed again like it was at one time. And people slowly begin to find their way back into their seats. Man, we should be packing this thing. There shouldn't be, there should barely be room to dance. We should be knocking each other over up here. And I stood up. And when I stood up, and I just, I don't remember what I did. I think I did try that Jehovah thing. I embarrassed myself, so I went to something simple. Look around, make sure nobody was looking. And everybody was. But then as revelation began to come to me and every service, we'd come into praise and worship and I would hear another song and people would dance finally. You know, I started seeing this turn into this. And then to this. And then to this. And I found myself doing the Jehovah Jireh dance and and just following them as they followed Christ. And I found myself settling into that. And then when I got to Panama City and those people didn't do the Jehovah Jireh, they just did what they did, the wild thing. Man, they, they did things, man. They were just all over the place. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, what's going on? Then I get here and, and we release everybody and we got people. With, one time we had people with banners and then, and then we had... Folks, and this is, this, is a house, this is a house that I'm the visionary over, man. I'm seeing people do twirly stuff and all kinds of... So I, now I do that every now and then because I'm watching you. I'm watching you because I'm saying, man, they love God. Now, there is no shame. They laid it all down. They just laid down. And when I watch some people dance, I'm telling you, there is no shame. <laughs> And I'm certain they feel that way about me. He has no shame. But that's irrelevant because we get it. For God so loved, I'm going to dance and I'm going to play. I looked at, where's that guitar? Where's Tim's guitar? Tim, which one of these is your guitar? See if that camera can keep up with me. So here's Tim's guitar. Did you see me grab it this morning and play it so hard I busted a string on it? I'm telling you, when that timbrel begins to play, and strings are popping, and he never skipped a beat, I came over here and had me a good chuckle, because he never skipped a beat. Why? Because for God so loved, he doesn't love me just because all six strings are intact. He loves me because he loves me because he loves me because he loves me. Thank you. I'm playing it next week. For God so loved. 
I can actually play the Beverly Hillbilly song. Don't tempt me. And the reason I haven't is because for God so loves you. Now I want to talk about why do we go to church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, an English Standard Version. Go with me there if you would, please. It says this. It says, do not neglect meeting together. Let me read that again. It says, do not neglect, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Listen, I'm going to take this moment just to say to some things on somebody watching this thing. You might be watching this right now. I'm going to tell you, you found it easy. You have let COVID become your reason to stay away from assembling together. And it is sad because some folks have made COVID their God. And I just want to say to you, stop serving COVID. Stop serving COVID. I say that in all kinds of love. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some because when you do it once, it's new. You do it twice, you're getting used to it. You do it the third time and it's become a habit. But instead encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day that he begins to create in us the fullness of who he is. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. I remember when I went to Panama City before, when I first came to know Christ and I received Christ, and I started to say when I first got saved, but I tried to change that around. But when I first received Christ, I remember the church that I was at. I did what I knew to do, and we went to church on Sunday morning. We went to church at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 o'clock Sunday night. We had a Wednesday night midweek service at 7 o'clock. We had youth on Tuesday night teens. We had a Friday night service, and I went to all of these services. And then And I did that uh, wherever I was at the time. I've only been to a few churches my entire life. That's, some people have been to a few churches this week. And um, I've literally been to a few churches my entire life. And I went into, when I got to Panama City and I went in there and got into Panama City and, I, and they had uh, Sunday morning service, but no Sunday night service. And I thought, hmm, God loves you, but you don't love God. Because everybody knows we show how much we love him by how many services we have. I remember saying to my wife, I said, they might not have church on Sunday night. But I'm going to find somebody who does. And I'll go to their church on Sunday morning. And I'll go to the other church that has Sunday night service on Sunday night. Because I am not, I'm going to be right with God. And then that first Sunday, we, because we had just moved there, so we were kind of tired, my wife and I, we were like, you know what, tonight we're going to let it go. We'll start next week. <laughs> we'll start this whole six o'clock go to church thing next Sunday. The next Sunday came, well, you know, last week wasn't so bad. <laughs> It's been a long time since I've been to a Sunday night service, that's all I know. And I realized... We were filled by gathering together Sunday morning so much. If you use that opportunity and you're gathering together and you fellowship and you greet one another, you get a cup of coffee. Well, back then you couldn't get coffee because you're going to hell if you had coffee in the church. But if you, if now, now you don't go to hell. Now you just get a warm belly. But that, but that whole idea, and I realized you get that fellowship. When we would do that on Sunday morning, by the time we got there Sunday night, we were so exhausted. We were just, you sit there and all I could think about was, I wish he'd stop talking. 
It's true, and you know it's true too. You've heard me preach never that you thought I wish he would stop talking. Isn't that right? Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. Come here, give me a hug. Come here, Vanessa. She said she's never tired of hearing me preach. Oh, it hurts to bend over. I was, I was doing things yesterday in the backyard. But So going to church, why is it important? It's important because when we come together, when we assemble together, that's how relationships are born. How can we follow someone as they follow Christ if we don't get around people who are following Christ? Does anybody hear me today? How do we learn something if we're not gathered around them? You know, I'm, I'm thankful for Livestream, and I'll tell you this about Livestream that I think is amazing. I love Livestream, but I really love it for people who can't be at church, who can't gather together. I love it most for them. I was telling the team before we came out this morning that I get a report at the end of every month, every month who's streaming us. And this month in August, for the first time, we had somebody, a country, streaming us a little over 2,200 streams is the second biggest streaming country. I don't know how you word that. Uh, America, U.S. is always number one. But Romania, they've never even been on the list before of people who were streaming us with any numbers. And then last month, I, man, they're having a revival with our services, you know, watching us online. Literally over 2,200 streams in Romania last month. And so we're reaching people, but the truth is, and, and here's a good example of what I'm talking about today. When I talk, stepping back again to the lifting of the hands and the dance and the timbrel and the music and everything that we're seeing, I'm telling you, when people are watching, they might not speak our language, but man, they can see, I'm, man, I understand for God so loved me. And if I can demonstrate for God so loved me, that's a language they can get. This doesn't come in English or Spanish or... Whatever else, this comes, this is universal. This dance isn't American. It is universal. I started to say, add to that, but I won't. But it's, it's universal. So why do we go to church? We go to church because it's important, not because it's the only place that we can go to receive uh, the truth. It's because we go there not only to receive the truth and the misnomer, the mistake being made by so many people who call uh, themselves believers, the mistake that they make is that when they go to the house of the Lord, the assembly, we are the church, but when they come to the assembly, the mistake that so many make is when they go there, I'm going to receive. Well, if that's the sum total, that's okay, but the better picture is you are more than that. You aren't just a receiver. You are a conduit. And in that conduit, the, the, the anointing flows both ways. You are a receiver and a giver. And I might on this day need exactly what you came with. And if we can understand that, it's important that we meet together. That's why we go, so what's so commonly referred to as the church, that's why we gather together. He said, forsake not, the, I'm doing the King James thing, but forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Why? Because it is important for God so loved the world, he gave you and he gave me a, an outlet, a place to go where there are other believers, where a community is developed and formed and we can grow stronger so that we can impact those who are right now outside of the community. Does that make sense? And then the last thing I want to talk about today is God's name. Why do you hear us say some of the things that we say today? If you're 
a part of this house, you've been here a long time, you understand what I'm about to say to you. For those of you that might be new here, those of you that are watching online, and you hear us use the word Yahweh or even Yeshua, I want to help you understand something, and I'm going to read some scripture to follow that up. But in the Hebrew language, there is no letter J. So let's begin with Jesus Christ. In the Hebrew language, there is no letter J. It would have been absolutely impossible for anybody that was Hebrew or an Israelite, it would have been impossible for them to name their son Jesus. There was no letter J in the Hebrew alphabet. His given name by the Father is Yahshua. It is Yahshua. I'll make, that'll make more sense in a moment. So when you hear us say, I say Jesus because people understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is a Greek name. And their Hebrews would not have named their children by a Greek name. They would not have done it. So when we use that name, Jesus, it's because the New Testament was translated from the Greek. So whatever version you're reading right now... It was translated out of the Greek. So everything that would have originally been Hebrew, once it was placed in the Phoenician alphabet, and once it was translated into that, into the Greek alphabet, everything had a different sound, a different meaning. Keeping in mind that the King James Version wasn't even written until, what, 15-something? 1,500-and-something? The King James Version. So before that, people reading Scripture would have been reading Yahshua, they would have been reading Yahweh, they would have been reading what the name was that was given, not the name that made more sense to the current culture of the time. So I want you to understand that. But in doing so, you'll also hear me refer, all of us, refer from time to time, instead of saying God, we will say, you'll hear us say Yah or Yahweh. And the reason we say that is because, again, that is the name that God gave himself. He said in Scripture, I am that I am. That's how we read it. The original text does not say, I am that I am. The original text in the original codex says, I am Yahweh. It is, I am Yahweh. But the writers, the scribes that were putting this together would not allow his name. It was so holy, they would not allow his name to be spoken. So they translated that. They, and in, in the Greek, it's Jehovah. And it's many other words. They have so many words for his name in the Greek. In the Hebrew, his name is Yah. And I want to read to you about his name, where you will find it in Scripture, from Psalm 68.4, in the New King James Version, it reads like this. Sing to God, sing praises to His name. This is in your Bible now, what I'm reading to you right now. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds by His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him. Going back to, again, the lifting of hands, recognizing who He is. This is why He did it. This is why we do what we do. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him, honor him, respect him, love him, give back to him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. And then going forward to the prophet Isaiah in verse, chapter 26, verse 4, says, trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, 
the Lord is everlasting strength. Now, if you are reading out of a version of the Bible that was translated and, and uh, moved over from the Greek or the Old Testament or the Hebrew, and it was a transliteration, not actually a translation. In other words, they're finding words that are common, they're current, they make mo- the most sense. It will change that Yah to the word Lord, which is all capital letters. So you will see when you read your Bible, you will see the word Lord if it's L-O-R-D, lowercase. It's referring the Lord. It could be anybody. It could be a king. It could be Jesus. It could be Yahweh. It could be anything in lowercase. But when you see the word Lord in all capitals in the translation that you are reading, every single time the literal translation of that word L-O-R-D in all caps is in its original language the name Yah, Y-H-W-H. So when you hear us say that, and the reason again I'm doing this today is because I want everyone to know, those of you that are a part of this house, or those of you that might be coming to our house and you want to know what you can expect. These are some of the things that you can expect. And when you hear it, don't be afraid of it, but instead, understand it. I want you today to receive an understanding of why we do what we do. And we lift our hands and we shout and we dance and we play instruments and we call him by his name because God so loved us that it is in us to lift our hands and to shout and to dance and to play our instruments, sometimes loud, sometimes soft, but it is an expression. Everything we do is an expression that literally says to the Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We recognize that you so loved that you gave your only begotten Son. And we honor you for that today. So, Understanding all that you see and hear. I want to say this to the people that might not get everything they see. But understanding everything that you see and hear is not what is important in the beginning. What is important is that you understand that God so loved the world. That God so loved you. That God so loved you. He gave His only Son. When you understand that, everything else will begin to make sense. Because when we begin to grasp how much He genuinely loves us, you will find that there will be expressions that will come forth from you that you never thought you would be doing. You'll find yourself, some of you that did not lift your hands today, and I'm just telling you, this is true. Some of you that did not lift your hands today, not because you're being obstinate, Not even because you're being prideful or arrogant, but just because you don't understand. But you do today. And some of you that didn't lift your hands today, next week will say, well, I love him too. And I want to show him how much I love him. And I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm going to let him know, it matters to me that you know that this expression says, you love me so much, you gave. You gave. And some of you that have never danced will find yourself suddenly not worrying about whether or not you can, but simply beginning to move because you realize and you can accept for God so loved. If He loved me enough to give His Son, I want to express to Him how grateful and thankful that I am. And I'm going to tell you, the day will come 
as it did in David. After David killed Goliath, and he came back into, into the city, and he was dancing out in the streets. In fact, he tore his clothes off, and he was dancing in his underwear. I'm never going to do that. I don't think the Father requires me or you. And you don't ever do that, okay? Not here. Do that. If you want to do that, do that in your own home. But I would rather not really do that here. But he was dancing in the streets in his underwear. And as he, Gaston, were you about to jump? Gaston, stay down. Hold him back. But he's dancing in the streets and they're singing their songs and they're singing Saul killed his thousands but David killed his ten thousands and David was dancing. David's not dancing and rejoicing just because he killed Goliath. He's not dancing and rejoicing because he wiped out an army. He's not dancing and rejoicing for that. He's dancing and rejoicing because he realized great is my God. He is awesome. He delivers. His word never returns to him void. And he said, you can't hold me back. You can't stop me. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. For God so loved. For God so loved you. He so loved you. And then his wife is standing up in the window of their condominium. And she's looking out there at David, dancing and celebrating and rejoicing, and she was in her dignified state, her arrogant state. She couldn't stand it because she, he was embarrassing her. I, I challenge some of you men, embarrass your wife. And most of the wives said, like, you're late. <laughs> But his wife's standing up in the window of their condo and she's looking down on the streets and she's watching her husband dance and she's, she's humiliated. Can't believe he's doing what he's doing. And the father said to her, he said, because you can't understand, you can't relate to a man who loves me with all of his heart. He recognizes my gift to him because of that you'll never bear children. Do not hold back the one he or she do not hold back the one that comes to the place where there is a revelation, man. It is deep in their soul that God so loved that he gave everything that he had so that I could lift my hands and I could lift my voice and I could tap my foot and I can play a guitar until the string breaks. I'm living vicariously through Tim Carney. For God so loved. So I, help, I hope today that this has helped you to understand why we do these things that we do. Next week, I will either be addressing uh, being joined. What does it mean to be joined to one another? What does that look like? Why do we talk about that? Or we'll be talking about Holy Spirit. And what is that? When I see you or hear you talk about Holy Spirit, what does that mean? I don't know which way I'm going yet. But I'm going to tell you, I encourage you to continue to come. If you're watching online and you're part of this house and you have not been coming, please stop serving COVID. It's, it, it, I don't know how to say it any other way, but let your faith be in the Father. Stop letting your faith be in the fact that you think you're going to get sick every time you step out of the house. Let's gather together 
We have a reason to dance and we have a reason to shout and we have a reason to proclaim. Amen. Stand with me if you would please in this house. Father, I lift my voice over the men and women in here. I lift my voice and I declare that our minds are being renewed by the anointing of Jesus Christ. Our hearts are being changed. The soul of who we are is being transformed every minute of every day, every second. We're hearing, we're seeing, we're changing. Father, I pray today that you help us to live a life in such a way that it doesn't need a whole lot of interpretation, but people, whether they can see whether they can hear they can feel it they can feel that we have received and we have a revelation that God so loved he so loved he so loved I'm lifting up my hands I'm lifting up my voice I'm going to make it easy on everybody this morning can I ask everybody here lift up your hands just lift them up today you've maybe never done it but just lift them up today father we lift our hands in thanksgiving today we lift our hands recognizing that you are God and that you love us so much that you gave your only begotten son that we wouldn't have to die nor be ashamed you gave your only begotten son that we could have relationship right relationship with you you gave your only begotten son so that we could rejoice and know what freedom was so that we wouldn't be bound to what the earth is bound to but father we are free in our mind we are free in our spirit and we draw out of you today we draw out of you today help us see today what we have not help us hear what we've been incapable of and may we receive today the revelation of your word that you have sent to each and every one of us Be glorified by it. Be glorified by it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We honor you today. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. I want to encourage you this week. I want you to invite somebody to join you. I want you to invite. Do not let our lives be those that keep the secret. Don't keep the secret. Invite. Invite. I love you. Bless you.